0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Armchair Cricket podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. I'm your host, Giri. And after a few weeks of absence, I have my co-host Ajit joining us back on the podcast. Uh, As you all know, IPL has just started in India. And I guess Ajit was busy making all the arrangements when he was there. So welcome back, Ajit. How are you? How was your brief winter uh,
1: escapade? I agree. Uh, thanks. Uh, it was a good one. I mean, I must say I inspected all the grounds. And I must say yeah. I'm happy with the, let's say, the COVID-based uh, precautions that has been taken. I'm mm-hmm. still not happy about Mumbai being one of the venues. I had a chat with Mr. Shah about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I guess Mr. bin's lobby is not yet so powerful. But you know what? Uh, write it down. In a week's time, maybe 10 days time. By the time the tournament has finished about half of its number of matches, the scheduled matches from Mumbai will move to Hyderabad. This is the discussion I've had with Mr. Azharuddin and everybody seems to have agreed.
0: Wow. Okay. So you are in close contact with uh, Mr. Azharuddin. That's great.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, you started the joke, right? So you remember that uh, very famous joke about employee compensation that uh, an IT employee gets talking when he starts a new job. Right. So this is something like that. I mean, you started something outlandish. So why not me continuing it? So well, anyway, it was um, well, uh, well, I, I would say well needed vacation for me. I don't know if it was well deserved as one of my colleagues. I'm sure there was a more than a bit of jealousy when he said it. I don't deserve a vacation yet, uh, but yeah, I needed it. So it was a good one. I spent some time with family and friends and, uh, I'm hoping my batteries are charged. I'll get to know shortly and uh, when I truly begin, when I truly immerse myself. As I say, the first week is still, you know, waking up to the reality that we have set up for ourselves and then maybe in a week I'll know if my batteries are truly charged. Right Kiri?
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to have you back again. I think uh, we've had quite a bit of a lull, right? I think nearly a month or couple of weeks at least since we had a last episode so so really looking forward to chatting about cricket again so as as, as we just said you know the IPL has started uh, you might as well uh, start looking at the IPL um, you know ongoings uh, uh, on the field so IPL mm-hmm. started like I think nearly three four days ago I can't remember when it was we've already had six or seven games right
1: indeed it's all it's only been one game a day so far.
0: Yeah, so far. Yeah. Oh, thank God. Thank God for that.
1: And we've had quite an interesting IPL, right? So we
0: had a few high scoring games. And then we also had the old fashioned low scoring games where, you know, you win the toss, you bat first, and then you defend a score. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: I think we had this chat off air uh, about, you know, all these close games that we had yesterday and also won today. We'll come to the details again. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think I mentioned this off air. It sort of reminded me of the uh, 90s or late 80s, early 90s, when you know India were playing Pakistan, and, uh, Pakistan would restrict India always. You know, India India would always be restricted to uh, um, well, they would defend their score. Let me put it this way: mm-hmm. uh, India would be very close to winning the match, but then they would lose it. You know, There's, as famously said by everybody during up here, I think, uh, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I think we had a couple of those games do you want to discuss the first game or uh, how do you want to proceed
1: well look let's maybe skip through some of the games that were let's say at least they finished in a conventional manner right? so mm-hmm. when we look at the game between let's say KKR and SRH KKR romped home thanks to a very large total right? and Rana scored a very big total a very big score for himself Then the party scored a fifty and then the bowlers helped. Right. And then the next game where Sanju Samson's heroics really really wonderful, wonderful game where such a high scoring game where he himself by himself nearly pulled off a victory, even backed himself up until the last ball of the innings. Right. And you know, this is something we can quickly have a chat. Did he do the right thing by, you know, turning down the single in the last but one ball where five runs required? Would he have exposed somebody like Chris Morris, who was actually the guy standing on the non-striker's end? It was only going to be a single. There was no point of running two there. It was going to be too tight. In that case, I mean, did Anju Samson having put in such a stellar effort, did he did he stumble at the last just in front of the gate, Gary? Or did you think that was the right move and they were just unlucky to not finish off?
0: Um I think he was just unlucky to not finish it off. I think he, he was playing quite well. I think you also saw in the final over, he hit a six over extra cover and it's one of the most difficult shots to play mm-hmm. over cover inside out. Mm-hmm. And he has all the shots in the book and he was in very good form. He was in good touch as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, he was helped by a drop catch by KL Rahul earlier in the game. Right. right. So he would should have been dismissed much mm-hmm. for a much cheaper score. But then, you know, he cashed in. He basically stood out there uh, for his team until the end and he almost saw them home. I mean, you can't blame him for that. So, uh, even though, you know, people were joking that they paid a hell lot of money for Chris Morris (laughs) only to, you know, leave him out there at the non-striker's end. Uh, I mean, I think Chris Morris is also a good striker of the cricket ball. Mm -hmm. He's capable of hitting a, you know, big shot. Maybe he was not used to the pace of the pitch. Uh, so, probably Sanju Samson thought he had a better chance of finishing it off. But it's, they came very close. I think it, it was a very well-played, uh, well-made century. I think 120-odd runs, right? So, it's a big score. Mm-hmm. And he came at one down. So, he, he batted there pretty much 16-17 overs. So, it was a long innings, and It's also very uncharacteristic of uh, Sanju Samson to stay out there for such a long time. I think he showed great composure and also... He has learned a lot, I guess, uh, from his previous, uh, you know. Um, I think he always promised a lot, but he never delivered. I mean, he only delivers once or twice in a season. And this is the first time I think we saw a very mature innings. Uh, probably, he was probably helped by Sangakara. I think Sangakara is making a difference. I see that already. So, it's probably going to, uh, I think, it. You know, I hope that it continues. Because I'm a fan of his uh, batting. He really lies. very easy on the eye. I think there is. there was even a comparison made when the commentators were talking to Sangakkara, uh, they, they asked ooh. him if he reminded, if Sanju Samson reminded him of uh, Jai wow. I sort of agree. High yeah, praise. But, uh, I mean,
1: yeah. Look, I mean, I'll start off right there where you started that or where you ended that. No, uh, I read in an interview Sanju Samson says every time he walks away from Sangakkara after a chat, he's more clearer as as to how he has to approach his game. And that that's something special, right? So Sangakkara the maturity, I mean, I must be frank, I was a bit surprised when Sangakkara accepted the role of a team director in an IPL team, because this guy is now currently also the president of MCC, right? He's the outgoing president at least. And for him to sort of take up a role of an IPL team director probably is, you know, logically the next step. A team like uh, Rajasthan, who, who are more money ball than money bags, right? It also fits with him. So. Initially, it took me back by surprise, but now I understand this is a long-term move as far as Rajasthan Royals are concerned. And if he's able to give these sort of innings or these sort of inputs that helps the players of Rajasthan, I think they're going to continue to be a moneyball approach And what won them the tournament in the first season. Probably you may see a comeback to those days. Whether they'll really go on to win, we don't know, but at least they're going to out, go out there and perform uh, to their best, right? This is one thing. So going back... Comparing Sanju Samson to somebody like Javardana, I mean, I'm sorry to be blunt about it. No, that's, that's oodles of steel. What you don't see in Javardana are the lot of steel that always was under all of those innings. You see the velvet always, the smoothness of the strokes, but the mental makeup, the mental strength, scoring 100 in the World Cup final. Let's not forget, this is Javardana, right? And um, many of his hundreds, I remember, were scored under immense amount of pressure. Same for Santakara for that matter so but we'll get into it an, in another time because even though we are test match fans at least upcoming couple of episodes I think it'll, it'll all be about short format cricket right so going back into this game look I also appreciate a lot of uh, lot but was said and in the way his innings was you know the way he paced his innings a um, lot of praise from all quarters right from pundits from fans alike. like uh, let's not forget there were three chances. That he offered before he crossed 50 but he made it count and he very nearly won a game and there are a couple of shots that will stay with me forever there was a there was actually a loft or extra cover that went for a six it, it appeared he would probably just cross the 30 yard circle and maybe get two it just kept going so when he hit the last shot i thought there you go he's hit the same shot again for that ball to just land a couple of meters short of the boundary i think it was one of those things it was very unfortunate but he very nearly pulled it off, so it was a really, really special innings. And we really hope he's a special player, right? So for me, the way I look at it, it's always in his head. So if he can, if this is an innings that can turn it around for him, as from his career perspective, he still has a long career ahead of him in IPL, maybe even in internationals, right? He got a very short opportunity for India. Maybe he gets opportunities in other formats and also, you know, gets a chance to play for himself. Let's see how that all goes. But one thing I wanted to also mention is right? The bowling of arshdeep in the last over. So considering the amount of runs that were scored already and bowling the last over with just 13 to defend, right? That, that, uh, something has to be said about this guy as well. And KL Rahul backing him all the way and then yeah. giving him the last over ahead of somebody like Shami or Jay Richardson, right? Yeah. International quality bowlers. So that was very good to see. And of course, uh, look, the innings that KL Rahul himself played at the top of the order, Right, and Deepak Huda who you know blasted six sixers. All of them were a clean, yeah. clean hits, huge hits as well. Right, you could see the difference when they were they both were batting on how Huda hit versus how Kiel Rahul hit. Right, and that was an interesting contrast. I mean, we'll not go too deep into it, otherwise we'll probably talk another forty minutes about it. But all in all, a very instructive, instructive, uh, let's say, match as far as I'm concerned. It promises a lot. Uh, such a tough competition that something could could have been a walkover. You know, the opposition could have finished a 150 with 150 or something, but they came very close. So it, it boards well because the same thing has continued on. Look, if you if you were to look yeah. at the next couple of games, I mean, I will use the word choke, right? So it's nothing <laughs> but that. So Mumbai Indians scored a subpar uh, 152 versus Kolkata Knight Riders. Kolkata Knight Riders coming off a big win versus SRH in, the, in their first game, Right? and they looked very confident at the halfway mark it was clearly a game that uh, kolkata united should win everybody thought right so when you look at mumbai's innings you see a pattern here so rohit sharma 43 right at the top of the order he stayed quiet for long long periods until you know surikumar yadav hit kept hitting surikumar yadav is again he's matured he's blossomed out into the best version of himself he can be i guess so he scored 56 but then the moment Surykumar Yadav was dismissed, nobody could really hang on. Adik Pandya seemed to struggle. Runal Pandya got off a few shots. Kairan Pollard really struggled. So I think it's it's this Chennai pitch. Something something in it. In the latter half, the last five overs, scoring becomes really tough. rohit Sharma was dismissed two balls into the last quarter. So 15.2 rohit Sharma was dismissed. The score was 115. From that point on, a team like Mumbai with... If you can imagine, you have Kyron Pollard, Hardik Pandya and Krunal Pandya who are the, let's say, the upcoming batsmen. All they could do was score uh, 37 runs in the remaining 28 balls. That's very tough to believe, right? Well, I mean, it looks like that was 10 runs too many from that same point because when you look at KKR, they were 122 at the end of 15 hours. When Nithishrana was out, that was a freak dismissal. I'll get into KKR, right? Rana sort of did what Surya Yadav did but at a slightly slower pace but he had Shuban Gill to start him off so they got them off to a very nice start that meant going at nearly 9 and over you thought okay this is dead and buried but then you got the same thing, two tops two two of the top scores of the team coming in from the one of the top three or two of the top three and that's it, nobody could kick on, Oyan Morgan tried and failed, I think for me Ripati, Oyan Morgan and Sh- uh, Shakib Al-Hasan will look at themselves very hard here because those three number 3 4 5 in the order nobody kicked on nobody even played as you know a game an innings like if i were to compare manish Pandey like innings today that was really crucial for them because the moment nitish rana was dismissed the score was 122 they were ahead by almost 10 runs they were ahead of mumbai indians by 10 runs at that stage and they couldn't hit the remaining 31 32 runs so even requiring runner ball so even um, when Shakib threw it away, I'll use the word threw it away, two balls later after Nitish Rana. You still had Dinesh Karthik and Andre Russell at the crease. Two of probably top five, top eight finishers in T20 cricket. Um, I think Dinesh Karthik still has a lot to offer as a finisher and we don't have to talk about Andrew Russell, right? They couldn't finish it at all. So from that point on, Kolkata and Andrey Russell scored 20 runs. Can you imagine an IPL team scoring 20 runs in the last five years? That actually happened. So, this is a very interesting pitch, Kiri, the Chennai pitch.
0: Yeah, I think there was also an interview. Um, in, I think maybe after the first power play in Kolkata night riders innings, uh, the commentators interviewed uh, Baz, you know, Brendan McCallum. And they asked him if he was feeling comfortable, if the dugout was feeling comfortable about their start and if they were going to win the game. But he was very nervous. He didn't… Uh, of course, he was not being very, uh, let's say… Hopeful about it, he was a bit nervous. He said, Ah, we have to see Mumbai Indians, our champion teams, you know, they can always come back, so you have to be careful. We are at least satisfied with where we are. And then on queue, I think right after the interview, Shubhangil was uh, dismissed. Uh, and then, as you said, you know, Rahul Tripathi was dismissed, and then all the other wickets kept falling. Uh, what I felt very bad about was uh, the way uh, Nitish Rana was dismissed, actually. So, Nitish Rana was looking good. I, I know he was playing a more attacking innings compared with the other batters in the squad after Shubman Gill was dis, dismissed. Right? Nobody else. Right? Nobody else apart from these two guys, Shubman Gill and Nithish Rana. If you look at the scorecard, went into double figures. All of them were single figures, and this is incredible. Right? So he, I think, should have been there. He should have been there till the end. At least he should have taken responsibility. Uh, and what I didn't understand. At that point was, uh, you know, uh, the approach that Shakibul Hassan took. And that for me is a bit uh, surprising because he's normally a bit calm uh, compared with the others, I would say. or when Morgan, we we know what sort of a tactics he always em- uh, employs, right? So he's an attacking batsman. He doesn't stop scoring. He always tries to hit it out. Yeah. But coming back to the question about the pitch itself, yeah, I think... This is a very different IPL pitch. I think this is... I don't know. I mean, this is comparable with a test match pitch uh, where things start happening on day four and day five. Maybe it equates to the same uh, after the, let's say, 13th or the 14th over in each batting innings. Something happens. I think when the ball gets soft, maybe it doesn't come onto the bat or maybe it sticks in the pitch if you bowl cutters. Uh, it probably is a recurring theme. I don't know what's going to happen in the next matches if they're going to play on a similar wicket or if they're going to prepare something different. So, uh, <laughs> it, it really, you know, um, at least it gives us a lot of good entertainment, not in terms of high-scoring matches, but at least very closely fought or closely finishing uh, game. So, let's keep this going, I would say. I mean, I, do, I, would, I would really not like this to stop. Let's mm. see some, some things being done also by the bowlers, not
1: just the batters. They were probably not played on, uh, staying the same pitch. So... Does that mean the entire square has such a quality, or maybe, as you say, the upcoming pitches are probably going to be harder and truer uh, for the entire 40 hours, let's say, right? So, something to really look forward to. So, very strange pattern when you look at it. And the same pattern was again repeated. So, but before we go there, I think a word of praise for both the spinners of Mumbai. So, before the Mm -hmm. IPL 2021 began, there were a lot of, let's say, uh, reviews and previews that were given by people saying the spin contingent of Mumbai is still very weak. They somehow sneak through, uh, thanks to the brilliance of players all around that they get to show. But I think uh, Krunal Pandya, 4 hours, 1 for 13. And Rahul Chahar, 4 hours, 4 for 27. They made a huge difference on this pitch. I think Rahul Chahar, at least two of his wickets were just people who are trying to slog him and got out. But that, that's not his fault, right? He kept bowling in the right areas. So, he got four wickets, very deserved and uh, also deservedly the man of the match in that game. So, coming on to the next game, again, in the same Chennai Stadium, it was between Royal Challenges and Sunrises that happened today, Giri. So, I I don't know how much of it you got to follow because I think you followed it very sporadically, you were telling me.
0: Yeah, not much. I, I saw the over when uh, Virat Kohli and Maxwell hit 20 runs uh, of the over of uh, Shabazz Nadeem, I think. And I was actually surprised that it was... It was another uh, 150 or uh, even less than 150 score that RCB made. And then I thought, you know, RCB are back to their old ways, right? So <laughs> they always promise so much at the beginning of a tournament. And then they uh, paid away. And I was thinking the same. But I think you followed this match very closely. And you were even telling me, I think we were on a call, you were explaining to me what was going on when I was driving really. outside.
1: It was quite nice. It was a ball-by-ball <laughs> update uh, for the last uh, two hours yeah. of uh, the chase, right? So before we go there, I mean... A word of praise for Glenn Maxwell, the way he paced his innings was perfect because he seemed to have already understood how the pitch will behave. And instead of going gung-ho from let's say the 15th, 14th, 15th hour onwards, he held himself back right until the 17th, 18th over. And he saw that EBD came and went. Washington Sundar came but struggled, couldn't really get going. And Dan Christian again came and went. So Kyle Jamison, he waited until he had Kyle Jamison with him. And it was, see, in the last 5 to 8 overs of a T20, it will be 5 balls, 10 balls that you get to face once you have wickets in hand. You go out and you try to score at 150 plus. Right? That's that's the mandate. Only Kyle Jamison was able to do a bit of that. And uh, Washington Sundar personified that struggle because I remember he scored a boundary of the first ball of an over. I think must must be the 16th or 17th. I can't remember. But then the rest of the over, he struggled to get it off the square. He's unable to time. He's, this guy is a natural timer of the ball. He doesn't look to muzzle the ball. He plays in a you know orthodox way and he couldn't he couldn't really hit the ball off the square. On the other hand, Maxwell kept biding his time, waiting for a ball that he knew was in his, let's say, ballpark, and he's he would clearly hit it for a six or a four, and he continued waiting. One thing I like to mention is the way Rashid Khan was used by um, the skipper of SRH, Warner, because he held him back. For the right points in time, and Rashid Khan has always delivered. So he held him back for the last quarter of the overs, and then he took out um, ABD Villiers and Washington Sundar. Most importantly, ABD Villiers, because if you can imagine ABD Villiers sticking together, and if ABD Villiers is able to replicate what he did in the first game for RCB, probably the total would have been 170. That would have been a very tough total to chase, right? And then 149 looked, I I remember tweeting, they looked about 15 runs too light. The way you started uh, the chase, you would imagine the first 10 overs, if the opposition got to 90 or 85, the chase would be done and dusted. But then again, this Chennai pitch, we didn't account for. Jason Holder bowled really well, took three wickets. Rashid Khan, I mentioned already, two wickets. And good support from Bhavaneshav Kumar and Natarajan. So when they started, first of all, I think Muad Siraj started really well. A made-in over to begin with, of which there were four buys. And then uh, the second over as well, he considered a wide and a single. That's about it. So, Vridhivan Saha was under pressure. Nine balls, one run scored. He got out. Mohamed Siraj trying to slash him over point but just gave it to Maxwell. It was a very hard hit. Maxwell judged it well and took it. But then Warner and Pandey set it up beautifully. So, what goes away here is that they were always ahead of RCB up until let's say the 11th over. From then onwards, the score started. Becoming equal thanks to that 20 run over that you just described. If that was the only over you saw in the game, at least in the first half, you would think RCB are headed for 180. But then again, I told you the vagaries of this pitch. And then, same thing happened, exact same thing happened to Sunrises. They have Rashid Khan who came in and scored a 17, but after number two and number three, David Warner 54 and Manish Pond 38, nobody could. Johnny Berstow scored 12, but he didn't stay as well. He got dismissed by Shabad Ahmad. There was one over of madness that really cost uh, sunrises the game because three people got out so manish pande and um, johnny bestow were the set batsmen right going into the um so the disastrous over was the 16th over first ball of that over bowled by you know shabazz ahmad johnny bestow tried to hit top edge got out caught by the keeper second ball of that over strike is exchanged the other set batsman manish pande tries the same thing gets caught by short third man and the sixth ball of that over, Abdul Samad tries the same thing and is caught. Nobody seemed to have learned the lesson that tonk it around, get ones and twos, get get the let's say the pace of the pitch. Don't leave it to a later batsman. So I think this is the story. The what Maxwell showed that you have one batsman from the top three or four has to stay. I think this is the mistake Manish Pandey made, and probably he's kicking himself because I think we saw one game last season where him and I think Vijay Shankar got bogged down and they lost. Last season where they could chase run a ball or so. Same thing happened here today he got bogged down the moment david warner was dismissed he's not able to pick up the scoring in the next three overs he's continuing to score at run a ball and that was going to be detrimental what i really liked vijay shankar jason holder threw it away rashid khan came out with a clean mindset first ball he faced from uh Muhammad siraj was a fast one wide but he cleanly cut it over point for a six. then he scored another boundary he was the one only one who looked like who was going to probably get sunrises across the line. Nobody else looked like they knew what they could do. right? But unfortunately, with just three balls left, or two balls left even, I think, he tried to go for a double that was not there. He tried to even make one run short. I don't know if it was uh, conscientious or just happened. He tried to come back, but he was run out by like half the length of a pitch. In the last over bowled by Harshal Patel, who is now apparently the designated finisher, as far as RCB is concerned. Again, lots of cutters. So he saw that the first ball he bowled that was in Rashid Khan's half, he hit for a boundary. So the moment he saw it, he started bowling short, slower balls. Again, the ball sort of sticks in the pitch. It never reaches the batsman. And Rashid Khan tries to take a double, tries to take another double, I think, and then gets run out. And that was it. Arshal Patel bowled a no ball. And that got sent to a boundary. That was the ball. I think it was a full toss that he sort of slipped. It was going to be a slower yorker or something. It slipped out of his hands. Rashid Khan, I thought it was a bit harsh on the bowler's. But that went to a four. And then after that, by then already, let's say, he'd already learned his lesson. Harshal Patel and kept bowling slower balls or cutters into the pitch. And that was that. So, another choke, Giri?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can call it a choke. Uh, it has happened twice. So, I, I mean, I don't know if two teams can be choking in succession. But, yeah. It's, it's one of those uh, matches again. I think low-scoring contests always make the best spectacle. Uh, so you have less pressure, you go out, you know, all guns blazing and then the battings team, you know, the team that bats uh, in the second innings have some sort of a scoreboard pressure. And they always want to win uh, quickly, uh, maybe several different factors like, you know, improving their net run rate or something. And then they basically lose track of the the actual goal, which is to win the match, to finish the job. So, two teams have not done it now in succession. So, let's see what happens in the next match in Chennai. Uh, I'm, I mean, I, I hope this continues, as, like I said, because I really want to see something for the bowlers. Uh, let's see if it continues.
1: Look, I'll, I'll I'll tell you why I used the word joke there. Because how did Rashid Khan score 17 of 9 on the same pitch? In the same conditions. So, uh, for me, there are, condi- there are conditions which affect how the ball comes to you and... But then it's your mindset i'll take you back to what you used the example of india losing to pakistan in late 80s early 90s mid 90s it was only a mental conditioning thing you could not unburden yourself of what you saw and you saw people struggling you saw people you respect as batsmen struggling and you thought oh my god how am i going to score on this pitch or something like this whatever that is right how did on the same pitch rashid khan score 17 of 9, 6, and one four He just waited for the faster balls or bad balls and he hit them for four, what Maxwell also did, but the rest of the balls, he tried maneuvering. This is the important part. He tried running twos, one of those cost him his wicket, but otherwise probably he had won the game for SRH there, right? So for me, it's all about the mental makeup. So for example, somebody like Abdul Samad had the game. He didn't have the mental, uh, let's say the makeup. He had the game in his hands. So if he had stayed instead of Rashid Khan, and if he had done that slightly above, slightly above in the order, Sunrises would have won with four balls to spare, according to it. it's, it's all about that. Just staying there because uh, we know Abdul Samad has big hits and he always to his is and he'll hit those, right? So all in all, a very instructive couple of games. As far as I'm concerned, you're absolutely right. We really hope these continue. And in the other games, wherever they are played, let them be 220 beats 210 or 222 chase down or whatever that is, right? So, as people who love these blows within blows or games within games, I guess we can discuss more in the upcoming episodes for these tighter games. I think we are looking forward to having uh, Rabada and Norke together for Delhi, Giri.
0: Yeah, they should be playing their next game uh, for Delhi. I think they are finished their quarantine period and all that. Uh, So, some high-octane bowling, like we saw in the previous IPL. Anrich Norkia, I think he bowled in excess of 154 kilometers per hour. I think mm-hmm. that was probably mm-hmm. the fastest delivery right. record in IPL. I don't know. I think it could have also been Brettley, but I think that was the fastest in recent memory. So looking forward to that. And Delhi really looks strong this time with uh, captain Ricky at the helm.
1: Indeed. I mean, I'm sure Mr. Ricky supporting him. Ricky Panting brings a winning mindset, right? He always led a team of champions, but he made sure they kept winning. So you can never credit him enough for that part of that run of Australia, continuing on under his leadership, right?
0: Have you seen that pep talk? Have you seen that pep talk he gave to the team uh, no. during one of the training uh, sessions? No, uh, you should watch no. that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> he introduces himself as, I'm Ricky, uh, I'm from Melbourne, and I am a father of two and, and something like that. He never speaks about him as himself as a cricketer or a former captain or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So you should watch that. I think I really recommend that.
1: Well, you have three World Cups on your shelf. I'm sure I could talk that way too.
0: That's fine. But if, you, if you're a player who play under him, you know, if, you, if you were, he was your coach, and if your coach talked to you like that, I think it would give you a different sort of a motivation. I know you're fully motivated, Ajit. So you don't need such pep talk. But there are others like me who probably need that
1: a bit more than you do. Nah, it, it, that, that, was not, that was not my intention. What I meant is that showing yourself to be somebody normal is, is, is a great deal uh, for somebody like him, right?
0: Exactly. That's what I meant. He's, he's very humble.
1: When he walks into a room, you already have 12,000 test runs and whatever 10,000 ODI runs and three World Cups walking in. But I mean, I'm sure he's able to get himself down to the mm-hmm. level of a Prithvi Shaw, somebody who's struggling, you know. And I think uh, you see that turnaround. I really hope another player who we know is very talented, much like Sancho Samson, right, who can convert into a career, long and fruitful career for himself at whatever level, right? Prithvi Shaw, we really hope. And somebody like Ponting, if he is able to get himself down to that level, mm. level of a Prithvi Shah or a Prithvi or a whoever, it doesn't matter, right? So that's great as far as that team is concerned. And you're absolutely right. They've also plugged a couple of holes that they had in their, let's say the planning. I think they, mm. it's, it's more, the team looks well balanced. So it, it looks interesting how, how they're going to perform in the next half of the IPL or next set of games for them.
0: I am spraying off topic here, but what do you think about Rishabh Pant's captaincy under uh, Ricky
1: Ponting? Too early to say. I mean, uh, one game is all we saw, I would say. And uh, not a lot. I think there were set plans. He executed them correctly. But I would like to see how he would uh, react when under pressure. When under, say the pressure today, Kohli was or yesterday.
0: Roy Sharma was. Yeah, absolutely.
1: That would be a very interesting... uh, No, these two are like chases where you're behind the eight ball. Uh, The team trying to chase is already ahead of you. From the 10th hour onwards, how would you react? Are there set plans for this? You get enough in the timeout. But he's also a very young captain. So, I mean, let's say a few, maybe a generation down the line, five, eight years down the line, he'll probably captain India. But um, for now, I think these are very important... uh, learning base as far as Rishabh Pant is concerned, I'm looking at the bigger picture here. I mean, I would love for him to win the IPL with Delhi Capitals, but I'm more looking at if Rishabh Pant can be the finished article when he gets the chance to lead India, whenever that opportunity comes, I think it will come, right? Yeah. So if you were to summarize the T20 games that happened, in this case, there were two T20s that happened between South Africa and Pakistan. And, uh, well, it might be an understand South Africa, but they're playing at home. They'll not be leaving it for Pakistan to walk away with the easy series win, I think. And it's strangely a four-match series. I don't know what was the thinking behind it, but four-match series. And when you look at this, well, the first game was won by Pakistan comfortably. The second of these, now the they're playing in Joburg. And here, you know, it was sort of a, it was a standard T20, not a lot to talk about. Um, Babar Azam from number three, I think he's, he's gone to the next level. I think we we'll put, put up in, in this something we can discuss here. So he scored a 50, but only at run a ball. He couldn't really accelerate at all. And Muhammad Hafiz scored 32, but then once he was dismissed, Haider Ali 12, Hassan Ali 12, not a lot of contributions and nobody really kicking it off, scoring at a lot of uh, runs, except I think Hassan Ali might have scored at 400, but it was only 12. So that meant they only finished at 140. Good bowling by George Linda, who opened the bowling, took 3 for 23. And then Lizard Williams, who's a new player, they're trying out South Africa, 3 for 35. And then when it came their turn to back, they had a clear mandate. It looked like there were no demons in the pitch. Eden Makram, 54 of 30. And then um, Henry and finished off with thirty-six uh, of 21, uh, strangely aided by George Linda, who was, I think, promoted up the order to keep the right-left combination going, and uh, 20 of 10. Right, so that was a that was a let's say a um, template win as far as T20s goes, chasing for uh, South Africa. But the third game, that that was a very interesting game, Gary. So as you were uh, earlier saying, off air to me, it was a, a real run feast. At you know a, a typical T20, but with a with a sting in the tail, in as much that South Africa batting first on a very let's say juicy Centurion pitch, making 203 for five. So. First of all, uh, great innings from Yanaman Malan, 55, right at the top. Aiden Markram, 63, scoring at uh, more than 200. Then George Linda promoted of the order, scoring 22. rasif Reducion, 34. So good contributions right down the order. I think Pakistan did really well to pull them back. So um, in the 14th hour, they were already 140 when they lost Yanaman Malan. From that point, you would say they, they should probably have hit 225 or more. So they were probably a bit under par at 203 in or South Africa, so good bowling in the end by Muhammad Nawaz and Shahin Shah Afridi and Fahim Ashraf, I think they sort of kept them uh, from really crossing into 220s. And then when it came their turn to chase Giri, would you like to summarize how it went?
0: It, I think it went only one way,
1: <laughs> Precisely,
0: I think um, what they had Pakistan, I think they've sorted out their uh, top order when it comes to T20s. They have this uh, pugnacious little character called Mohammad Rizwan, who can face up to any sort of an attack. So he shows that in his attitude, even on the field when he's keeping. Uh, and he was joined by Babar Azam, the captain. And these two put on a huge, humongous first wicket partnership, an opening partnership of 197 runs in T20, inside of 18 overs. And when uh, Babar Azam was out, eventually, uh, have, after having scored a century. Pakistan needed like, you know, I think maybe seven or eight runs. Uh, and all Fakhar Zaman who came in to do, I mean, he when he walked in, he just needed to score two boundaries of the two balls he faced. That's it. The match was done. Mohamed Rizwan, of course, remained unbeaten on 73 runs. It um, was relatively sedate I have to say, compared with Babar Azam. And what is Babar Azam made of? This is the question I have. I think he's the next best thing. Well, he's probably already the next best thing. Uh, he scored 122 runs in 59 deliveries, punctuated by 15 fours and four sixes. Strike rate of in excess of 200, 206.77. That's incredible. I think we are probably seeing uh, probably a once in a generation player uh, playing for Pakistan. I don't know if this is a bit of a an exaggeration, but I think this is really true. In my opinion, he is the next best thing as i said as i keep repeating myself anyway uh, and this guy oozes talent and you you see that he scores so many easy runs he it he doesn't look like he's struggling when he's scoring runs everything is very fluent so and being a captain and after having won uh, an odi series uh, in south africa he is now continuing in that uh, with the uh, in the same rich vein of form that he he was in so he's continuing that and I think he also recently became the number one ODI batsman, uh, toppling uh, Virat mm-hmm. Kohli. So he's going up and up and up. I don't know where he's going to end up. He's probably going to beat all <laughs> the modern day records. I mean, Virat Kohli's will be a bit of a stretch. But uh, if you look at his batting stats, I think in the last couple of years, he has uh, prospered incredibly well. He has only played, I think, 30 odd test matches. He has an average of 44 in test cricket. Uh, and uh, in T20 Internationals, he's now starting to do well. Of course, he's played 50 T20s and then he scored his first century T20 in this match. Um, his strike rate is quite good. I think his strike rate is something like 130. But where he has done well is the one-days. He's played 80 one-day internationals uh, and he has scored almost 4,000 runs. I think he's touching, pushing 4,000. He's 3,800 runs. Uh, scored that much. Uh, and he has an average of 56, 56.8 to be precise at a strike rate of 88. But the interesting thing here is the number of centuries. He scored 13 centuries and 15, uh, 1750. So his conversion rate is incredible, just like Virat Kohli. Uh, so in 80 tests, in one-day internationals, he's already scored 13. So that's incredible. I think it's something like uh, five. or In every six matches, he scores a century. So it's a very good conversion rate, I have to say. So... Yeah, I think it looks really good for Pakistan. I hope they have good players around him. I think they have a talented bunch of players right now. Uh, but I hope that they let this team you know, perform in the longer duration, longer run. Give them a bit of a run. Uh, especially, uh, who is the coach? I forget his name.
1: Ms. Baulak.
0: Yeah, of course. Ms. Baulak, yeah. So, I hope he gives them enough... <laughs> enough time to settle in. Uh, this team probably will carry them forward in the next five, six years. And it was also good to see, I think I have to mention this, in the ODI series uh, that Sartas was back in the uh, mm-hmm. squad for a match or something. He, it was very, it, it was quite funny. If you, uh, I think I caught that, uh, a period of that uh, small passage of play where he was giving instructions to everybody. He was even giving advice to Babar, <laughs> forgetting that he's no longer the captain. But anyway, it was right. a bit funny. Uh, but Babar, yeah, he's a special talent. Uh, I don't know what you have to say about him, but uh, I think uh, we are in for something really nice in
1: the future. Look, I think he's he's come out at the right time. He's basically, let's say, he's he's looking like, for the lack of a better comparison, like he's looking like Kohli uh, five six years ago. He's 26 years old. Kohli uh, also chose uh, ODIs as his format to sort of master himself. So if you remember, Kohli also had similar stats probably at similar time. And from that point on, he was able to then go higher and higher. So you, as you were telling me off-air, in Australia, he has a 90 and 100. In his recent test tour of Australia, he gets more opportunities to go now play in uh, UK, I think, later this summer, probably some tests. So he, he can then show what he's made of, right? So as a batsman, I think he's right there. So you see these, the current, let's say, four, top four or top five, whatever you call, he's definitely there. Where does he... F- Fit in, in the top four or five, let's say we'll discuss it at the end. The way I look at it, maybe you look at it differently. But as a 26-year-old, all of these people are 30, 31, 32. So he is the next king. So the he's the prince. He's the, let's say, the heir apparent. It's very clear. Doesn't matter which one of these four or five uh, will actually retire first and then they will all slowly walk out the door. This guy is right there. He will be 30 then, 30, 31 and waiting to sit on the throne. He's your next king, for sure, as the best batsman of the next generation, upcoming generation, it will probably be Baba Azam. Maybe people like Rishabh Pant, KL Rahul from India. You have Markram from South Africa, right? Uh, you also have plenty of other cricketers from around the world who might probably join him in the next top four or five. But the king of those top four or five for me will be Baba Azam, right? He'll probably be the top-ranked ODA test anti-20 batsman like Kohli was for a very short period of time. Look, he you, you said he dethroned Kohli, right? And he did. But that was a 41-month run at the top of the ODA rankings. That, that's fantastic. That's that's very tough to replicate. But yeah, somebody yes. can, probably Babar Azam can. Right? So for me, what is more important is that the nature of Pakistan cricket is a bit more, uh, let's say, physical. And there are other things off the field as well. There is somebody who's made an acquisition, not so good one against him. We really hope these are all things that go away and they don't distract him from his career. And also, he's, as you say, if required, he can give up the captaincy and sort of be a senior statement quietly, focusing on his own thing and doing his own thing like Thales did. Okay. But if he's able to keep the captaincy and do it, that will be a really, really uh, special effort from him. Given the way sometimes subcontinental teams, captaincies uh, sort of, you know, it's always a very hot plate to sit on. So I'm really hoping that um, Babar Azam graduates to the next level like we saw Kohli did. And maybe, you know, Jorut and Williamson, I think, have a more of a wave pattern, which is common with many players. Kohli crested the wave for a couple of years. We've seen a bit of a dip. Maybe it's the baby. Maybe it's all the traveling. Maybe it's the bubble. But maybe he'll redis- he'll rediscover it. Maybe he'll not. But then one guy who's consistently doing good in cricket, in at least test cricket, is Smith. For me, undoubtedly the best test batsman currently is Smith. Kohli would come in second, but on his day, Williamson would pick him for me. Um, but when it when it comes to limited hours, internationals, Coley is still the king. And uh, Babar Azam is the heir apparent. But then in his career, before his career is over, Babar, they overtake Kohli as the King when it comes to interdoors Internationals. And if, when we put together all of cricket, I would still rank Smith to be one because of, I think he brings very, very good qualities to a team. And when needed, he pulls out those tough innings. Kohli number two, and then it's going to be a toss up between Kane Williamson and Joe Root, because Joe Root has made a roaring comeback. He scored double hundreds in the subcontinent, 180 as well to go with that. so. Really, in the next one or two years, with two, I think, back-to-back World Cups to come in Limited Overs Internationals, we are going to actually see this order sort of sort itself out. And who knows, because of the way he's playing, Baba Razam will push himself to be the top one or two batsmen out there, all format batsmen together. What do you think?
0: Uh, I do agree on your assessment about uh, the Limited over format. I think Baba Razam is the heir apparent. He will, I mean, I don't think he'll overtake. Kohli's uh, records, Kohli's records are unbeatable. I think One Day Internationals, he has already got 4,300s in One Day Internationals. I think even Tendulkar had something like 50, 50, or I think maybe 48 or 49.
1: Tendulkar was 51, 49, I think. 51 ODIs, 49 tests.
0: Yeah. So he has 43 ODI 100s and 27 test centuries. Uh, so it will take some, uh, I think it will take some beating. But... Um, but it depends. I think Babar Azam, if he has that uh, consistently performing team where he's not just the only contributor, but there are also others, so, so as to take the pressure off his shoulders, you know, with the additional responsibility that, that he has as a captain. I mean, I personally don't see him do well, won't see him doing well in the future if he continues to be the captain, knowing the volatility of uh, Pakistani cricket. Uh, Maybe another two, three years and then he'll just focus on his batting. I think that'll be good for him and for Pakistani cricket and also world cricket for the next generation to come. So looking forward to, yeah, see him play more. I hope we get to see, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do hope that we get to see some test series between India and Pakistan sometime where we can actually see uh, <laughs> what he does against India.
1: Indeed. So, I mean, from, from your uh, lips to the ears of the guards, whoever cutting guards these might be, that they sit in Mumbai or in Dubai, it doesn't matter. We'll find. Well, I mean, there's one more T20 left, as I said, it's a weird format series, but that gives South Africa a chance to come back and, you know, square the series to all right now, it's 2-1 for Pakistan. So, but you know, as a limited overs leg or limited hours series that they went, they they won the one day series at best, they will draw or they'll win joint the T20 a series. So a very successful tour for uh, Babar as a skipper as well. Right. Now, if you were to look at some of the news from outside of the cricketing field, so Ricky Skerritt has been confirmed as the CWA president for the second term. So, well, it, it it came out that, you know, the other two candidates, Anand Sanasi and uh, Calvin Hope, uh, were withdrawing, right? So that basically meant Skerritt got sort of uh, elected on a post, but that's a good thing, I think, because I think he's trying to unite Let's say the old way of thinking of the CWA cricket question days with the new way of what is required because as a small nation or a small set of countries and nations who provide a very entertaining cricket team to world cricket, I think they have to make some concessions in the way some of their players might want to pursue a career. So they're finding the balance between how they get their uh, let's say their national team or the Caribbean team together versus how some other teams may have some rules for themselves they may have to show some flexibility i think that at least that's what uh, skerit has brought about you can see chris gale and fidel edwards being brought back into the um teams at least the t20 teams right in the t20 year so with just the t20 uh, world cup uh, in mind so those are nice things i see but also a lot of financial misappropriation he talks about and how he's trying to clean up uh, how much of it has really happened, we don't know. And how much of it is really ongoing and how much of it will really show up, we're still waiting on all this, right? So uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's uh, a good uh, a good move or a good uh, development in the Caribbean uh, cricket world. And we really hope he can take Caribbean cricket to the next level along with the captains on the field. In another news, we talked a lot about K.N. Williamson, the quiet achiever that he is. He's won the Richard Hadley medal for the best New Zealand cricketer for 2020. And this is his fourth time winning this medal. So not a lot of surprises there, but our uh, congratulations to Kane Williamson. Along with him, uh, women all-rounder Amelia Kerr and uh, Devon Conway have also won big in the New Zealand uh, Cricket Awards for 2021 season. So congratulations to all of them. In another news about you know, PSL. So some good news there. So we remember that PSL was suspended due to many players testing positive and, uh, you know, probably a suspected breaches of the bubble. So in this case, PCB has managed, has decided to outsource the management of the biosecurity protocol for PSL. And they are probably still looking for a management company, even as we speak. But the good news is that it will resume on June 1st, right? And it will be held in Pakistan as well. So all of this is very, very, let's say, positive news. And even the um, location and where they will be held has been released. All of them will be held in Karachi and it will all be evening matches. And wherever there are double headers, it will 5 p.m. and 8 p.m., very similar to how IPL is held. But which team or which management team will take over when it comes to COVID-safe technology and the, let's say, the policing of policies and other things remains to be seen. But good news as far as, PSL fans everywhere are concerned. In in uh, last of such world news that we want to focus on today, Heathwick has been handed a eight-year ban for corruption.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I really liked his bowling action. I remember, I still remember that. Uh, and I think as kids, some of my friends we used to try and copy his action <laughs> when we were playing in our backyard. So, it's it's really shame.
1: He's admitted to five breaches of ICC's anti-corruption code. Some of these are very serious looking things because he's, they say, provided former Bangladeshi captain's phone number to an Indian bookie and vouched for that bookie when it comes to that captain. And uh, he's been taking gifts two Bitcoins converted to about 35,000 eventually. Um, there were corrupt approaches under his overseeing in 2017 BPL, 2018 BPL, PSL and IPL as well. Maybe they're suspecting, right? So these are all big, big tournaments and he had as a former international cricketer and captain of Zimbabwe and later on a fast bowling coach that worked with multiple two teams and multiple tournaments I think he had a very big let's say um, shadow unfortunately the disciplinary process took more than a year but it it's come out that he's basically yeah he's accepted to all those charges what I was referring to uh, at least it's very clear right? this former Bangladeshi captain actually Lost a whole year of his career very recently. It's it's all very unsavoury as it comes out. And unfortunately, I looked up to his streak for much of his career as a lone fighter in a team uh, that was sort of struggling to hold up its own. He was one of the remnants of the you know the golden era of Zimbabwe, where with along with the Strangs, the Flowers himself, right? They were able to stand up to some of the best teams in the world at that point in time, right? And then slowly that team disintegrated due to one reason or the other. But this guy was the sort of straggling. He, he always cooperated with the board. He always led the teams. I remember in his last international as well, he may have taken a 5-4. And I really, really looked up to him as somebody who um, did great things with cricket, with what he was able to achieve for Zimbabwe. But it's a real blow. I mean, we really hope, you know, they get to the bottom of how much he has been able to influence uh, other tournaments and things. And uh, yeah, we really hope that this, this saga ends here and now rather than really going up so I, mean, I was just looking up his last two games his last test he has a five four uh, it was against india and india won by 10 wickets comfortably but he finished strong this is what i remember and anyway so uh, moving on let's take a look at the um, trivia section giri so would you like to take us through the trivia question from the previous episode and maybe the trivia question for this one
0: yeah i think the previous trivia question was quite a while back It was relevant at that time because it was a test match that was going on between uh, uh, West Indies and Sri Lanka. uh, In West Indies, of course. Uh, So the question was, uh, Nisanka, the Sri Lanka batsman, he scored a W-100 against West Indies in that match, um, which was actually in the third innings. So it was not the first innings, but the third innings of the test match. So that's Sri Lanka batting in their second innings. So my question was, uh, our question was, which other player uh, very famously scored a debut W100 in a test match, uh, but in the fourth innings of the test match very recently. And this was by a West Indian batsman. And uh, the answer for that question uh, is, in fact, Kyle Mayers, who scored that famous 210 not out, chasing down that mammoth target against uh, Bangladesh in... Uh, wasn't that in Dhaka? I think it was in Dhaka. So it was a fantastic game. I think it was... a. A victory against all odds, if I'm honest. So this <laughs> chased down a target of 395 Indeed. runs. Incredible mm-hmm. victory. So one of the matches that will remain in uh, people's memories for quite a while. Just like the 153 not out. Like Pereira. Indeed. And the, yeah. So the trivia question for this episode is right now we are, you know, we have IPL going on. Um, so we thought it would be nice to have a question on IPL for a change. <laughs> So the question is, uh, amongst all the current franchises that are active in IPL, um, one of the teams has had no centuries scored uh, by its captain. So a captain playing for this franchise or no captain playing for this uh, franchise has scored a century so far in IPL. Uh, Would you know which team that is? Please let us know your answer.
1: So as a clue... Well, we were discussing Sanju Samson, the skipper of Rajasthan scoring a hundred. So there are actually two teams who would have met this criteria, uh, with Sanju Samson scoring a hundred that leaves one team. Right. And what we can tell you is it's not a defunct team. It's a team that's been active from the beginning. That's the clue. Right. And surprisingly, one of the first ever hundreds in the IPL probably was scored by one of their players. So that's the clue we can give you. So, you know, I think we have a lot of exciting games, Gary. as far as at least T20 goes. We have IPL. Um, unfortunately, we might be Test fans, but I think we'll have to uh, make do with this. And I think last year was the year we, at least for me, I fell, fell in love back with IPL. I, think, I don't know if it was the same for you.
0: I think it's true for me as well because there was no cricket at all for a few months. So we were longing for some cricket and there was IPL. So it had to be uh, yeah unfortunately but now I think I'm beginning to enjoy it again especially because of that low of those low scoring games uh, in the recent uh, past but anyway
1: more to come I guess indeed so a lot to look forward to in the upcoming episodes as well uh, thanks a lot for all our um, you know listeners who keep us keep supporting us if you have any thoughts please do share it with us at armchair Crickpod on twitter we are usually online during international games and these days during IPL games as well And also, you could leave it as a comment on any of the apps that you used to listen to us. And also, you could write in to us via mail, armchair.cricket at gmail.com. Having said all that, it's a goodbye from me. And
0: it's a goodbye from him. Bye-bye.
1: This
0: is the Armchair Cricket Podcast.